Welcome to Away From The Keyboard. We give you a glimpse into the lives, interests, and tech behind today's technologists. Please join our hosts, Cecil Phillip and Richie Rump, as we get away from the keyboard. Welcome to Away From The Keyboard, where technologists tell their stories of how they started, how they grew, how they learned, and how they unwind. My name is Richie Rump, and joining me from the third rock from the sun is my co-host, Cecil Phillip. How are you doing today, Cecil? Dude, you have no idea how hard it is to get a taxi over here. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the third rock from the sun is Earth. You know that, right? Dude, you have no idea how hard it is to get a taxi over here. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go home, man. That's, that's it. That's very true. Very true. <laughs> but I'm doing pretty good, Richie. What's going on with you? So I've been spending some time with C Sharp. It's, uh, it's been kind of fun over the last couple of weeks. I've had a, a small project I've been working on, and uh, it's been a lot of fun getting back into C Sharp and uh, not really front-endy stuff. It's all kind of back-end processing, but uh, that's kind of been my sweet spot over my career is doing a lot of back-end processing. And I haven't been able to do a lot of C Sharp over the past, I don't know, like eight months or so, and it's, it's really great to get back into it. Nice. So I actually want to talk about a letter that Mark Zuckerberg put out to his employees today. So he, in this letter, he actually addressed apparently some employees. They were going onto a wall they have in one of their Manolo Park offices, and they were xing out or they were crossing out the Black Lives Matter writings that were on the wall. And you know, again, what he did is he put out this letter to you know the entire the entire Facebook community. And, you know, he pretty much just let them know that, hey, you know, this is not, this is not what we stand for. This is not what we do. You know, Black Lives Matter, it doesn't simply stand for black people or in the black community, but it really just means that that particular group of people, like, you know, they have some issues and they have some concerns that just need to be addressed. But at the end of the day, all lives do matter. So I'm really glad that he put that out. I'm really glad that he, you know, addressed that in a very respectful, very um, non-confrontational way. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, you know, that, you know, Facebook is essentially the whole thing is, hey, I'm, I'm putting my thoughts out there. I'm putting my, you know, using my freedom of speech to communicate my thoughts. And having uh, this stance that Zuckerberg has, like, hey, let's respect everyone else's uh, freedom of speech, whether it's a digital wall or a physical wall, I think it's important for uh, not only the, the company of Facebook, but also for the culture of the platform. Yeah, and you said it right. It's it's the business. That's exactly what they do. That's that's what they you know they they build their application around. So again, everybody has the right to say what they have to say. You know, in a, in as a respectful way as possible. We just need to respect everybody's you know opinions, regardless of whatever side of defense we're on. Yep, true that. True that. So who are we talking to today? So today we're talking to a Mr. Ryan Hall. Ryan is an accomplished digital marketing consultant, web developer, and an instructor for Code Fever. He's been involved in the Miami tech and entrepreneurship scene since high school, having volunteered for events like TEDx Miami and South Florida Hack and Tell back in 2011. He's a programming and entrepreneurship instructor for Code Fever. Over the years, he's helped many local Broward slash Miami-Dade entrepreneurs, small business owners, and artists build their web presence and design their digital marketing campaigns and content strategies. This episode was recorded on February 1st, 2016, and now our conversation with Ryan Hall. Away from the keyboards, feature conversation. So, Ryan, before we really dig into Code Fever and Black Tech Week and the million of other things that you got going on, let me hear a little bit about you. Tell us, tell us your story. How did you get involved in technology? <laughs> My love of technology started back in high school. Uh, before that, I was uh, really heavy into playing video games and over time kind of morphed because the people I would play my games with uh, just so happened to be techies. So as the, you know, high school went on, I started mixing in with that crowd. So by the time my senior year rolled around, I was inside of a programming class and I was also doing AV for my school's drama club. So I was really heavily involved in that type of stuff. And since I was so passionate about it, I couldn't just keep it contained and stay just doing it at school. So I did extracurricular stuff. I was the president of my school's uh, tech club and engineering club. And then on top of that, I uh, decided that I was going to go volunteer at, you know, 
tech related and entrepreneurship events down in Miami. And that was a pretty big trek for me because I was living all the way in um Broward. So that was a that was a long like two hour, three hour uh commute back and forth between that after school and on weekends and stuff. So Yeah, that Broward to that Broward to Miami trek is not fun at all. No, no, but I was doing that back in high school. <laughs> wow. So I was uh, I was very involved, and that that involvement that I was um, so heavily into is the the reason why I have all the tech opportunities that I have today, because I um, I actually ended up um, going and volunteering at a TEDx event um, back in what was that 2012 <laughs> I, I volunteered for TEDx MIA and that was back when I was in my senior year of high school so uh, I ended up going to that because I wanted to get into the TEDx <laughs> event for free because uh, I really didn't have the money to pay for it so I was like ah, I might as well volunteer hey that's so, not bad motivation at all yeah that's it's not really good you know brand broke really gets you <laughs> to do a lot of stuff you know, if you want to get involved with the movers and shakers you work for free <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I learned. Uh, so what ended up happening was um, Felicia Hatcher, who's the co-founder of Code Fever and Black Tech Week at the time, she had been um, uh, she had been promoting her company uh, Feverish Pops, which uh, came before uh, Code Fever and everything like that. Uh, Feverish Pops was like a popsicle, a gourmet popsicle company that she had down in Miami. So I listened to her talk, and she was talking about entrepreneurship. She had already written, um, she had written her first book at the time, uh, How to Start. Um, no, it was actually. She had written her second book by that time, and it was How to Start a Business on a Ramen Noodle Budget. So she was talking about entrepreneurship, and I was I was really into it at the time, and I really wanted to be a speaker. So I made sure to get her contact information and everything like that after the event. And uh, promptly after that, I lost it. <laughs> And that that didn't really help out all too much. So I completely forgot about her for like another uh, year. And uh, I ended up going away to college. I I got into the University of Miami. So I started going there. Uh, One day, the Feverish Pops, they had a at the time they had um, this Scion car that they they tricked out to be all popsicle like. So they were passing out popsicles out of the back of the Scion doing an event for uh, the University of Miami campus. And I started talking to Joe, who was the guy there, and I started talking to him about Felicia, found out he worked with Felicia. So I got the contact information. I started following Felicia on Twitter. And because I was following her on Twitter, I got to see her tweet when she said she needed an assistant. So I was like, oh, I got to jump at this opportunity. This is perfect because I saw it as an opportunity of me not only like uh, being able to support somebody that I saw was like awesome and amazing in uh, entrepreneurship. I saw it as a uh, an opportunity for me to be mentored by somebody who's been an author and a speaker. So um I decided to, uh, you know, uh, shoot her uh, a DM and an email, and I, apl- I looked at the stuff for the position, and I realized, oh, wow, I am totally not qualified for this at all. <laughs> uh, but despite that, I still, um, I still decided that I was going to uh, apply for it, and I did. And I'm thankful that I did, because uh, I got to sit down and talk to her, and she she interviewed me, but the interview was very formal. We, you know, met at the Midtown shops and we sat down to, you know, eat and talk. Um, and we discussed all of my aspirations and my dreams. And I told her that how I wanted to be an author and a speaker. And she, she was really helpful. She gave me a lot of good advice and stuff like that. And, um, I wasn't qualified for the decision, so she didn't give it to me, and I'm thankful for that because I would have been awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been terrible. I'm so glad I didn't get that. Um, but she she kept me on the team um, in another capacity, so I started off with helping her out with um, uh, their events, their uh, special private events because um, they used to do popsicle events and all that stuff. So um, a- after a certain period of time, 
uh, Felicia and Derek started up Code Fever. And they were teaching people how to code and all this stuff. And at the time, uh, I didn't really have anything else to do. So I was like, oh, yeah, sure, of course, I'll help you guys out. But at the time, I wasn't really uh, well-versed in uh, other coding languages. Because back in high school, I learned Flash and I learned um, VB. Yeah, that, no. that's how I started out was VB. So um, I, it's not like I was uh, teaching programming at that point. Um, what ended up happening was um, I was an assistant for the event. Um, they were teaching at a place called the Lightbox. It was either the Lightbox or the Lighthouse in Miami. It was right next to the Lab Miami in Wynwood. And we had two teachers there. And I was essentially like an assistant helping out um, with logistics and everything. And my my experience is um, really with marketing because I worked with an internet marketing company. So uh, most of what I was talking to students about was entrepreneurship, uh, motivation, because I wanted to be a motivational speaker and uh, marketing. So that's, that's what I started out doing. I was teaching the kids uh, marketing and talking and all about that. But the the exposure to having the teachers there and being in that environment around so many other people who were coding and who were programmers, I just naturally ended up gravitating towards it. And I began picking up the skills and learning as everybody else was learning in the class. So uh, pretty soon after a couple of events, I found myself um, making my own websites. And I got to the point where I was able to start doing my own programming. And um, it just made sense for me to be uh, in a position where I would be going to events and, you know, spreading the word about Black Tech Week and gathering new new volunteers and interns. So that's why I got the uh, position for Black Tech Week as community outreach and student engagement director. It sounds to me like from very young, you really had this drive to to be an entrepreneur. And like you said, you wanted to be a speaker and you kind of had this 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 motivation and this passion, right? Um, I'd really love to know where does that where did that come from? Like, what made you want to do these things? That actually uh, came from my family. Uh, surprisingly, um, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and preachers, <laughs> which is uh, funny enough. Um, my family on my dad's side. They own a church. Uh, we have several preachers in the family. My grandfather is a preacher. Um, uh, when it comes to entrepreneurship, everybody that was like male has been an entrepreneur at some point in my family. My father, he, uh, he was a construction worker and then he worked with the family doing construction. Then he ended up owning his own construction company. And then after that, he went on to be a, um, a real estate, a realtor. He moved on from realty to, uh, working for an internet marketing company as a, an affiliate manager. And, uh, he was, you know, sending out checks for people for like 5,000, 25,000 a week. And he's, uh, sitting there wondering, um, what are these people doing to get paid this much money? So he started, <laughs> <laughs> he started learning and researching the, uh, the field and all that. And, um, he started doing it at home part time, uh, right after work. And, uh, pretty soon after he found that he was finally doing that stuff part time and making more money than he was making when he was doing, uh, his job. So that, that, that was my direct influence was my dad, him doing that and all of the motivational stuff that I got from him because he, he was always very heavy into motivational speakers like Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Anthony Robbins, Joe Olstein, all these people. So naturally I uh, started listening to it as well. And we, we uh, shared that interest. So uh, it just kind of rubbed off on me. I enjoyed it a lot. So we've mentioned, or you've mentioned Code Fever a couple of times. So mm -hmm. for the people that are listening, why don't you tell us what, what is Code Fever exactly? Well, Code Fever is a non-for-profit company that goes into underprivileged communities and uh, gives them the skills of entrepreneurship and programming. So we typically go into schools, libraries, or any other organization that wants us to come in. And we bring our own equipment and we have our curriculum where we come in and teach people how to code, bring them up to code so they can go on to 
get positions in uh, companies, get apprenticeships for all the other uh, programs that are all around Miami because there are many other programming um uh, programming, programming programs <laughs> in Miami. We have a, a, a very rich community of uh, educators. We have, uh, we have Iron Hack. We have Win Code. We have Launch Code. And we work with those companies because, um, one thing that doesn't happen is that, uh, those, uh, those companies are great resources, but they have an application process that we doubt people who aren't uh, familiar with coding principle. So we essentially go for the people who are directly um, below that. We go for the people who do not necessarily have the abilities or skills to get into these programs. We go after teens. We began as a company that focused on kids between the ages of about uh, 10 to 18, uh, people who had no prior coding experience. And we took them from knowing nothing to being able to build their first websites or giving them the tools to build their first apps and entrepreneurship principles that they could continue to apply after the fact. And uh, that's been awesome. But we've uh, we've expanded the course curriculum to include uh, an adult cohort. We did our first flagship adult course uh, a few months ago, and that, that went phenomenally. We had people who were ex-felons, uh, former drug addicts, some people who were at risk of being homeless so it was it, it was phenomenal to sit there and watch these people go from knowing absolutely nothing about code to f building their first single page web apps and it was it was amazing and it's it's a very fulfilling uh, line of work to see that you're spreading useful skills to the community to people who wouldn't ha necessarily have had access to this information so it's a, it's a very satisfying job I could definitely say that. I really like the message that your company's putting out on some of the things that you guys are doing. I always tell people the world is very much a, a technology-driven world. This is a very software-driven world. And even just fundamental understandings of how some of those things work can make, really make the difference in you being successful in your company or not. And so it kind of sounds like this is what you, you're doing, right? Your, your company is you're going out and you're finding people that might not necessarily have had these opportunities to, to learn certain things or or have certain experiences and you're kind of opening up the world to them a little bit right like and showing them the potential of what they could possibly do yeah yeah i mean what what i've found uh because i've taught over a hundred students with the company now and what i've found uh you, you, as you after a while of teaching students you begin to see patterns and uh trends with people and no matter where you go you will always find people with motivation, drive, and ideas that are that are simply phenomenal. And you'd be surprised at the ability that people have when they're pushed and give the opportunity to do something great that they're really passionate and um, invested in. I mean, even in age – um, socioeconomic status, all these different things aren't even a factor in it because, um, there are, you know, students who were very young who had their own companies and there are adults who can't even fathom going through the process of getting all that stuff done. But, um, it, it's, oh, starting your own company or becoming a programmer is, is, um, is something that no longer has any barriers at this point because there are so many resources out there that anybody, and I mean anybody, regardless of your age, whether you think you're too young or too old, everybody has the ability to uh, start their own company or uh, you know become a programmer because companies these days don't really care about your age or anything like your uh, credentials. People just want to know if you have the ability to accomplish something and if you just pick up and start by going to like somewhere like Code Academy, uh, well, codeacademy.org or uh, Khan Academy or Treehouse or lynda.com, you could start learning how to uh, code, how to build your own websites, how to build apps, how to build games. And if you want to do those things, if you get into that process or get in the process of building a business, you could start with basically no money and build something from the ground up just with nothing but your your, your blood, sweat, and tears and your passion. So I want to talk about your, your programs for a little bit. So okay. I remember you said you have one that you target 
younger kids. So from from sounds like what from eight years old or ten years old. Uh, from about ten. Uh, usually we we have these um our teen curriculum, and uh, in that curriculum we usually get from about thirteen to eighteen. But we've had we've had instances where kids were brought in around the age of ten. So we um that that's a the ten and up is usually like a good ballpark for where we want kids to be because I've seen very young kids who are very interested in um programming and stuff. So uh our our real bread and butter is the uh teenage years because there are a lot of organizations and places that want to teach kids. Um we just got into doing adults. So, you know, we're we're definitely looking forward to teaching more people and getting more people into, you know, um uh, positions uh, where they can actually, you know, change their lives and change the conditions for their families and have an alternative to, you know, um, construction work or uh, manual labor working on the streets and getting more people into the positions to be um, mental workers in the tech economy. Right. So tell me, what is your curriculum like? What type of, you know, like what kind of coursework are they actually doing when they get inside of your class? Well, typically, for most of our classes, we teach um, full-stack JavaScript. We go through and we start off teaching them the principles for HTML, and uh, we move on to teaching them CSS and then JavaScript, CSS, so they understand uh, styles and design. And from there, we move into CSS to start teaching them uh, animations and how to give functionality to their um, apps and products. On top of that, we also taught uh, Node.js and uh, MongoDB to do databasing and uh, stuff like that. So. so what are some of the future goals for Code Fever? Like, what can I look forward to from this company in 2016? Well, in uh, 2016, one of the, uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it just yet, but. Uh-oh. Uh, got, you can tell me. I won't tell Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got something, uh, special in the works, uh, for 2016. Uh, we're gonna, we're probably gonna be able to roll out, uh, more consistent classes and content, and we're gonna be expanding our curriculum to include, uh, a whole new range of, skills and uh, languages that uh, I don't think anybody else is uh, offering anywhere in the area outside of universities. Nice. So it's going to be it's going to be one uh, hell of an interesting year I could tell you that much. So uh look out later on in the year we're going to we're going to be rolling out some uh, pretty big projects. And so what if I wanted to get involved as as a student? Right? Like what does it what does it cost to me? What do I have to do to to participate? Well, uh usually um what we've done is uh, we've been approached by companies or we approach uh, uh, organizations or uh, groups like the Broward County Library or the Miami Dade Library or the school systems or individual um, organizations like um, uh, churches or anything else like that. They, uh, they reach out to us and uh, they end up paying for the course for us to come down for uh, all of our people to come down, our instructors and for us to bring all of our equipment. And uh, we set up and we'll teach our curriculum. And we've done one day idea hackathons. We've done two day uh, or one day coding courses where we teach the kids uh, coding and programming the basics so they can get started in give them resources to continue doing that. Um, and we've also done six to eight week um, courses that go very in depth into, you know, design, entrepreneurship, uh, ideation, and um, d- different principles that they could end up uh, taking and applying to building companies or building websites or uh, building, uh, you know, design uh, companies or anything like that. So let's talk about Black Tech Week. All right. <laughs> so, you know, obviously like a good like a good interviewer, right? Like I've been on YouTube and I've been searching blogs and doing the googling, right, to to try and figure out what exactly this event is about. I think last year was your first one, right? Was last one was yeah. the first one that ever happened. Yes, last year was the first Black Tech Week and they had um we had about um, 900 people attend last year. So it was a it was an amazing event. <laughs> so what made Code Fever decide to even host Black Tech Week? Like what what's the motivation behind it? 
Well, uh, that's, that's Derek. That's, that was Derek's baby. <laughs> Derek Pearson. He, him and Felicia Hatcher, they are a power couple if there ever was one. And, uh, they were very behind each other whenever it came to anyone's idea. And, uh, what ended up happening was they had purchased the Black Tech Week domain a, a long time before that, like a few years before it. And they, uh, they just finally decided, okay, you know what? Um, we've had it for this long. It's about time to do something with it and they decided that they were going to do a really big conference to start highlighting and bringing together the top people in the tech-based and non-tech-based industries to come together in a single event in South Florida to come and talk and share their experiences and bring together, um, you know, black founders, people who were, you know, uh, minorities who were in the tech industry or people who were looking to get into the tech industry who weren't necessarily tech savvy. And uh, the, that was the event that they ended up putting on it was a, a great event to highlight industry experts and entrepreneurs who really had something that they wanted to share with the world and it was a it was a phenomenal event almost a thousand people so you know we were able to reach uh, a large um group of people and bring people together and that's that's essentially what derek wanted to do with black tech Week. he wants to uh, go out and promote um uh, minority groups to be a uh, part of the dialogue and be a part of the conversation and to be participants in the industry, not only as employees in tech companies, but as founders. And uh, an important part of that is providing these events and opportunities to be a nexus point for people to connect. Because um, one thing that really feeds into the entire loop and process of creating new communities and feeding into industries has to be the intersection between people who are experts, people who are investors, people who are um, uh, people who have talents or people who have the capital or the connections to um, make these things happen. And uh, having all these people together in a single place becomes very powerful because uh, th throughout the entire year, year after the Black Tech, first Black Tech Week event, we had so many people coming up to us saying, when's the next Black Tech Week event? Where the, they were talking about the meaningful connections that they had made with um, investors or the meaningful connections that they had made with um, a technical founder or anything like that. So it was... Uh, it was beautiful to see that we had opened up something that had been a real need because uh, down in uh, Miami in the South Florida environment, we we've had in the past a real a real problem with diversity. So the event's called Black Tech Week, but mm -hmm. when I look at some of the you know the marketing material, I look at some of the YouTube videos and et cetera online, I see a pretty diverse set of people sitting in the crowd. Like yeah. I, I see people of different shades, different colors, different you know races, and I'm sure different religions, obviously too. Definitely. So, is, so this is an event that's really just open to everybody, right? Not just oh, black people. Of course, of course, it's a very open event. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up. The name Black Tech Week is just you know the general feeling and vibe that goes into the actual. Um, thought process for the event because we want to you know support diversity but we are always welcome to many different people coming to the actual event and it's not just for tech people as well because tech is in the name and most people just assume oh i'm not a techie i don't really want to go because it's going to be all about tech and that's actually not <laughs> not the case i mean we have people who aren't even involved in tech we have uh trick daddy who's going to be one of the speakers at the event and he's a uh, daddy oh, yeah we we have trick daddy as well one of the speakers and he's not even speaking about music he's actually coming in to speak about food because <laughs> trick daddy actually has a spice company okay. not a lot of people know that yeah it's so trick daddy dolly y'all yeah trick love the kids um we got people like Trick Daddy. Um, one of our one of our um, speaker keynotes is going to be uh, how to start a tech company without knowing tech. 
that's uh we're gonna have biram sock give that talk and she was a person who knew nothing about tech and ended up uh making several companies and selling of a couple of her companies and it she's she's just phenomenal and it's it's a testament to show that you don't necessarily need to be a techie to come to this event because we want we want everybody to come if you're interested in making a company if you're interested in getting involved in different companies if you're interested in getting involved in the the conference or anything like that if you're interested in just uh learning about investing or anything like that there are so many different opportunities and no matter who you are if you are interested in starting a business or just learning and networking with a new group of people Black Tech League will have something there for you to get involved in. So I would definitely suggest people to, you know, check out the, the website and, uh, blacktechleague.com and look to see if there are like any people that they may, um, be interested in. Cause it's, it's not just for black people and it's not just for people who are into tech. One of the things I always tell my students is the technology industry is such a, a vast place. Right. And you don't necessarily have to be a software developer to, to be involved in it. Right. Mm-hmm. There's just people that do SEO and marketing and sales and even psychology and, and biology. And all of these people are going to be involved in some way or form inside of technology. I kind of agree with people having today some very basic understandings of how technology works and how, mm-hmm. you know, we should use it efficiently and how it affects our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Felicia has a a great saying that I love. It's that um, you're either using technology or getting used by technology. Uh, That's that's really just how it works in the world today. Um, Everybody, everybody in every industry has been touched by technology. You really can't name a single industry that exists in the world today that hasn't been touched by the changes in technology because that's that's one of the first things that you end up learning in economics is that one of the drivers for economic change in any industry is the development of new technologies of new softwares and new techniques and um uh, it's sad that um people don't necessarily think of technology as a fully fledged industry technology doesn't uh, technology companies and the technology industry needs people who have skill sets that are outside of the technical spectrum. Uh, because technology companies, even though you're going to have, you know, the people who are sitting down coding all night, you know, these companies still need people to handle their marketing. They still need people to handle their PR. They still need people who are uh, writers who can write, uh, you know, blog posts and stuff like that for them. And I wish more people knew that because then more people would be getting more jobs doing really awesome stuff and being part of really awesome communities and companies. <laughs> So speaking of communities, one community that happens to be very near and dear to my heart is the Caribbean community. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'm actually a Haitian, uh, <laughs> and my uh, my stepdad is uh, Jamaican, and my stepmom's Bahamian. So you know, oh, really? Caribbean, yeah, Caribbeans, all me. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So my my family is Antiguan. You know, I was born and raised in Antigua. You know, came up here for college, kind of thing. So I, I saw in some of your material too that you guys also try and encourage and foster, you know, the spirit of entrepreneurship and technology in, um, with Caribbean people. And particularly, you know, I see you guys doing, looks like you guys are doing some stuff in Jamaica. Could you, could you talk about, for instance, like what are some of the, the things that you're seeing coming out of the Caribbean community? Uh, well, you'll, uh, one thing that ends up happening a lot is when you look at underprivileged or underdeveloped areas, you'll find people who are very innovative and who are very resourceful, which are two very important qualities to have as an entrepreneur. And, uh, those communities just have those qualities in abundance. So you'll find a lot of people who are naturally entrepreneurs because it's just a, a way of life. Uh, the only thing that people need sometimes is just, you know, the, um, the basic structure or, um, our principles and mentorships, uh, you know places around the world to help people out is something that I know um, Derek and Felicia have in their vision for Black Tech Week and Code Fever. I know that they uh, this year they want to start um, uh, traveling to different countries and start bringing 
people so we can have events uh, not only in the Caribbean, but also move to start having events in uh, South America and South Africa. And we want to move this to be uh, an international movement and an international brand where we're moving and pushing to help the black and minority groups that exist outside of the U.S. and exist in all these other places that we don't necessarily consider emerging markets. I mean, most people don't know, but um, two of the fastest growing economies are in Africa. And uh, last year for Black Tech Week, we had one of our speakers who talked about um, pan-African opportunities for um, entrepreneurship. There, there's uh, there's also you know companies down in um, South Africa. Well, not South Africa. I mean South America. South America. There's the uh, Chilicon Valley. <laughs> there, that Did you was, say um, Chilicon Valley? Is that what you yeah, the Chilicon Valley. If you Google it, it, it it'll come up. Uh, Chile was at. There was a a place in Chile that was actually offering um, grant money to companies who were willing to relocate their headquarters down to Chile. And uh, most people didn't know about that. <laughs> they called it the Chili Con Valley. Yeah, yeah. There are definitely a lot of opportunities, and we really want to be a part of pushing uh, for entrepreneurship and tech workers to grow and become fostered in those communities uh, around in South America, all around uh, America, Africa, and also in Europe. We want to so that we we have a place in representation in the new emerging technology economy. People need the institutions, organizations, and societal structures that will support people to learn to be uh, participants in that economy and uh, push people to also become entrepreneurs and founders who are um, the creators of that economy. One of the funny things, it's always been, it's always felt very much like you've been raised to work. You, know, you go to school, you go to work. You go to school, you go to work. And at least for me, leaving that mindset and coming up here, it's, it's a little different because now it's, it's not just, hey, I have to go to work, but hey, I could create the job, right? And I could mm -hmm. own the company and I could, I could be the boss, right? And I could be the one in charge. And I'd really love to see a lot more of that type of way of thinking spread throughout, you know, all across the you know the Caribbean region. Yeah, a big part of promoting that is uh, mentorship, having conferences, and really having people uh, that are from that community living and achieving that dream. Because once you start having a considerable portion of the population, just a, just maybe like a hundred. If you start having that, those types of numbers who are creating their own companies and, you know, creating their, their own work, what ends up happening is that people no longer think of it as like a pie in the sky, uh, dreamer thing. It's, it's actually possible. It is just the fact that you see somebody that you know in your community who's actually doing this. Um, I mean, I, I was actually, um, Earlier this today, actually, I was um, looking at a, a a set of studies that was going over the fact that um, there's something known as cultural reproduction, which is where um, certain classes of people tend to continue to reproduce the same class of people so high class um high class families or upper middle class families typically recreate upper middle class offspring in the next generation and um part of why that happens is because of the the language structures and the uh school structures um and the subcultures that are created through the the conversations um and relationships that people have in their schools and in their homes and in their organizations that they're a part of so you know having um coding classes and having people who are programmers or um, uh, the community community advocates or um, founders who live inside of the community and who are mentoring their ki these kids and who are coming and giving speeches to these kids or who are putting on classes and workshops in schools in churches and libraries what ends up happening is that you uh, you allow um, 
a different element to permeate and a different idea to get into the minds of these children so that they know that this is possible because of a very big thing that ends up happening is that uh, we like bringing in um, – for our classes and workshops, we like bringing in um, entrepreneurs, we bring in writers, we bring in people who do film, uh, and we make sure that these people who are coming in speaking to these kids look like these kids. And when they see uh, people who are black or brown or Hispanic like them coming in and talking about the fact that they're able to accomplish these things, when kids see people that look like them, they begin to understand, oh, so it is possible for me. I can do this. Yeah. I can decide to go into entertainment or, um, you know, videography. I can decide to, you know, go into game programming. I can decide to, you know, build my own company. I can decide to be a speaker because I finally seen somebody and got contact information with somebody who's actually done it. So now I can do it as well. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part is just getting, getting those people in front of children uh, and teenagers so that they could see that and to create that change because that's that's the big thing is having those people and also um, encouraging the people who've accomplished these things to pay it forward to be teachers to be mentors to, to these kids because um it's uh it's tough to you know go out and strike it at your own and you know most people can't do it alone so the most important thing is to have mentors and that's that's why I'm uh, successful as I am today because of the mentors that I've had. The only reason why I do this stuff is because I found out it was possible by surrounding myself with people who've been doing it, who look like me. (laughs) One last thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, again, about Code Fever, about Black Tech Week. For our listeners that are want to get involved, want to volunteer, you know, want to be a part of what you guys are doing, how, how exactly can we we, us, them, all become, um, contribute to the movement, to, to what you guys are doing. If you want to come and support the event by coming to the event because you don't necessarily have the, the time to really dedicate to help out behind the scenes, definitely go to blacktechweek.com and, uh, get your tickets for the event. We have, uh, you know, week long tickets for about a hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, and that's for all, you know, all the events that are going on during the week and there are quite a lineup of events that are going on the week. So it's definitely well worth the amount of money with the amount of content that we have with uh, speakers who are venture capitalists, uh, who are, uh, you know, founders, CEOs who are explaining their actual experiences with, you know, getting venture capital, starting a company. For people who want to get involved uh, to be volunteers or to work with us uh, for Black Tech Week, they could reach out to me personally uh, at Ryan R. Y-A-N at codefevermiami.com. If you email me there, then I'd be more than happy to help uh, out people and, um, you know, explain everything and uh, get you plugged into our volunteer network because we definitely are going to need a lot of people to help out this year because we're we're looking to either have the same amount of people or more people this year. <laughs> so they could either uh, email me. Uh, or Felicia at your, uh, at F E L E C I A at codefevermiami.com. So, Ryan, I gotta ask you the, the question of the show, right? Okay. So, the name of the show is Away from the Keyboard. So, when you're not working and when you're not mentoring and teaching and all this other stuff, like, what do you do when you kind of step away from work and just kind of relax? I spend a considerable amount of time writing. That is what I do uh, a lot is write because um, there's just something special about the entire process. You really can't you really can't beat sitting in front of a piece of paper and just you know dragging some ink or lead across the page because basically it's it's a conversation with yourself. You sit there and you're you're literally spending the time translating your thoughts and your sounds into pictures on a page and it's like it's the music of thought you're making sheet music for your thoughts so it's a it's a beautiful process even if you don't read it or have anybody else read it it's definitely a cathartic experience that really gets if it makes you feel as though your your thoughts are drained out of your brain and it really brings 
calm and I, I really enjoy that process. So, so writing is a big thing for me. And what, uh, what type of writing are you talking about? Are you talking about stories? Are you talking about poems, speeches, songs, maybe? I actually spend a considerable amount of time, um, writing, um, I write fiction. Uh, oh. right now I'm actually working on a, uh, a series of short stories, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> um, I'm working on, uh, one series of short stories called Robotica. <laughs> and it's about, uh, how technology, it, it's a sci-fi spin on how technology is going to continue to change romance, um, love and sex over time. So it's going to talk about, you know, the advent and, uh, pushing of sex robots into the industry, how things are going to necessarily change, talking about long distance relationships, how those things are going to change and all that stuff uh it's human augmentation how that's going to change uh romance and how people end up interacting because these are things that are that we don't necessarily think about when we think about romance and all that uh so there's that and i'm also working on um a fantasy uh series called the uh, dragon breeder uh which is supposed to be about a fantasy world where uh you know they have a lot of fictional animals animals that we consider fictional and myth those are running around everywhere and um dragons are an essential part of the economy so you have people who are you know dragon tamers who are um training dragons to be in dragon races to be in you know gladiator matches like dog fights and people who are raising them to you know uh, make weapons and all that stuff so it's uh you know pretty interesting and also dragon fighting forces and all that so it's uh that's that's a uh, two of the projects that I have on the burner. I think I'm going to start posting that stuff on, uh, tech Nemoto. Yeah. That's that tech T E C H N I M O T O.com tech Nemoto. That's where I'm going to start posting my, uh, tech related stuff there. And case in point, which is going to be my YouTube channel going over, um, uh, case studies of different companies and, uh, the points that, uh, make them awesome. We'd like to thank Ryan for being a guest on the show. It was great having the opportunity to chat with him. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a comment on the website at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Also, remember to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash aftkpodcast and on Twitter at aftkpodcast. You can follow me at Cecil Phillip and Richie at Jarris. That's J-O-R-R-I-S-S. You can subscribe to the show via the website or on iTunes. And if you really want to know what makes us tick, sign up to our newsletters where you'll get extra episodes and behind-the-scenes access to Away From The Keyboard. Next on Away From The Keyboard, we'll have developer and author Dan Hermes. Especially after coming to understand how how instruments work. As a composer, I uh, studied all the instruments in the orchestra and, and and wrote for them and and then uh, taught for them and then all the of the contemporary instruments you know that, that you find in a, in a rock band or in a jazz band uh, and again and again what i found was that the relationship between the user of the instrument uh, and the instruments themselves when they were looking at the music and trying to play it uh, was very much the, the same type of relationship that uh, that you will find when a developer creates code. Okay, go away now. Why are you always telling them to go away? No, 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 don't go away. Stay a little bit. Let's chat. How are you doing today? You doing good? Good, good. You prefer tea or coffee? Is that one lump or two? Oh, that's that's curious. So how, how how's your folks doing? You know, coffee is not good for you. You really should drink tea. Tea is much better for you. Yeah, I can't stand. I can't stand tea. I, I can't. I, I need, need. I need to kick. I need to kick. You know, that's what like the crackhead says <laughs> when he can't. He can't let go. You know, then he starts shaking, and you know, you can't control your your, your nervous system. Well, when you say can't let go, I just had some like some nineties R and B just like wrapping my head, man. <laughs> that, is, that is like a perfect R nineties R and B title right there. That's like some Black Street. No, 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 no. New edition. Oh, there you go. That's, you know, that's someone in that new edition family, right? Some new edition, some Bell Bib DeVoe. Or, 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 oh, you got some boys to men. Can't let go. 
Yep, there you go. There you go. There you go. Now watch, I'm going to Google that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's probably a song of one of them did. I'm sure it is. <laughs> you know people where I live. I still live in the 90s. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I am not sorry. <laughs> Mariah Carey has a song called that. Let's see oh, there it is. There it is. That That's it. That's the one. That's it. That's it. That, that Yep. God, I love that song. Sounds the best, man. We want to thank you for listening to Away from the Keyboard. As a reminder, we will have new episodes each and every week. You can interact with us on Twitter at AFTK Podcast or at awayfromthekeyboard.com. Hasta luego. Yeah. So, last question of the night. So wait, maybe not. Maybe I got something. What, oh, you still do, dog? I thought you were sleeping, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, maybe. Uh, you know. Well, okay. Well, let me know. Me, what do you What do you got to say? Me and Ben Carson, we just taking some snoozing over here, man. You know, we got to get our rest. We're, we're older guys. You come on now. Uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. What, what, what's going on, man? <laughs> Welcome back to the show. So yeah, th- thank thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I have I have a question. Okay. Not a very serious. One. I have an answer. That's all right. <laughs> so, you know, Cecil and I, we we we're, we're big fans of DJ Khaled. Oh, really? Right. So, how would how would you rate DJ Khaled as a motivational speaker? I would rank him at about a nine because DJ Khaled had one hell of a year in the uh, t- at the end of 2015 because he was he was killing it on Snapchat. You know, congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we the best we're the greatest we, they don't want you to they don't want you to be the greatest but you know what do it anyway <laughs> you're loyal <laughs> you're loyal you're smart. <laughs> you're smart you're smart the key to success another one <laughs> cocoa butter the key to success i mean dj Khaled. i mean if you ever want to look at somebody who is like capitalized on social media uh, you won't find anybody who's done it better than dj Khaled because everybody's quoting him he is the most quotable person of 2015 i'll, I'll give him that any day because he's just he's extremely motivational people laugh and people enjoy him so i know you know what uh, i'm gonna have to give him a nine nine out of as a motivational speaker <laughs> sounds like you guys need to get him on for black tech week man yeah, yeah that'd be awesome i mean yeah, yeah, we actually have a, a venue that it would actually be awesome for him to be a part of because there's an actual place um i'm trying to remember the name i think it's called the keys or something like that and the the uh the the gates of the place actually has the keys to success on the gate oh <laughs> so perfect it would be perfect for DJ Khaled. I mean, you can quote me on that. Uh, actually, I can't take credit for that because there was a, a person on our team, Rania, who uh, suggested the idea. So if DJ Khaled does it, tell him to reach out to the people at Black Tech Week because we would definitely want to help him out with that event. That'd be awesome. Nice. nice. Another one. Another one. Another one. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> oh. Yeah. DJ Khaled. We the best. <laughs> we the best.